Well, I pray that you are ready this morning to be challenged in the Word, and we are going to be wrapping up our series in Genesis today, and we've been uh, on this series uh, for the fall, and I've been, it's been exciting to hear some stories as you are reading through the book of Genesis, many of you are, and, uh, and some of you are close to being finished. Uh, we want to encourage you, if you've been reading through the book of Genesis or are close to, to finish or have finished, we want you to sign our board out in the lobby, and we want you to do that uh, because we're going to put the glass on that this week and put it up on the wall, okay? And so even if you're not quite done, we give you permission to do that, and then once you sign your name, you've got to finish. All right, and uh, but we many many of you have done that, and it's been exciting to highlight God's word in that way uh, this season, and it's been exciting. So we kind of started in Genesis uh, with creation, and we moved to Adam, and then moved all the way, and we're now we're talking about Joseph, and uh, today we're going to end our series. And what a way to end a series talking about dreams, Amen? About the things that God puts on our hearts. And uh, just as a, a quick reminder about the history of why Genesis was, e- was even written, it was written many years after uh, you know, Adam and Eve were on earth. Obviously, Adam and Eve weren't writing this, but it was Moses who was writing this in the desert. The Israelites were at a point of time uh, in their history where they were down and discouraged. And Moses wrote Genesis in particular to talk about God's faithfulness and to encourage them to be faithful, to remember who God was. And, uh, and Joseph's story highlights that. And just imagine yourself in the desert uh, you know, for years and years and years, discouraged, down, in the dumps, so to speak, and to, to read a story or to remember a story of the story of Joseph, having dreams, receiving those dreams, And then today, we're going to talk about managing those dreams. And what I want us to highlight this morning as we look at the story of Joseph and the idea that we're managers of dreams is that God has a dream for us. And in reality, we are all en route. We are all in process. We are all managing God-given dreams right now. If we slow down and say, okay, where is our life? How are we moving through this? And, uh, and I believe that God wants to speak into our hearts some principles that we can pull from Joseph's life, some things that we can apply even today and this week and in the next season of our lives, individually and then also corporately. We're going to talk about our church a little bit today as we, as we look at these things. And so we're going to dive right in and ask God to bless us. And, um, and I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 41. And uh, the first thing that I want us to focus on as Joseph is his story is that if we're going to be managers of dreams, dream managers develop discipline. And in the story of Joseph in Genesis chapter 41, starting in verse 47, let's read it here for a moment. It says, during the seven years of abundance, the land produced plentiful, plentifully, Joseph collected all the food produced in those seven years of abundance in Egypt and stored it in the cities. In each of the cities, he put the food grown in the fields surrounding it. Joseph stored up a huge quantities of grain, like the sand of the seas, and it was so much that he stopped keeping records because it was beyond measure. 
When we read that, we understand that Joseph had this dream. We understand this, the history, if you're new with us this morning, that Joseph had a dream or was interpreting the, the dream of Pharaoh that there would be seven years of, of, of feast and then seven years of famine. And what this is talking about is the seven years that Joseph worked hard and had incredible discipline to store up. He worked hard when there was no pressure. He collected grain consistently, not for just one year or two years or three years, which would have been quite a feat to collect grain and to store it up. But three years, four years, five years, he didn't stop. For six years, for seven years, he piled up grain. He continued to gather even when it seemed ridiculous. And they're saying, man, this is crazy. It says it was beyond measure. They stopped keeping record of the amounts of grain. Seven years worth. Can you even imagine what that would look like? Joseph had discipline. He listened to God, and he did what God told him to do. And I believe right now in our lives, as believers, we need to be people of discipline to listen to what God has called us to do and to be disciplined. And maybe we need some discipline in our finances. Maybe we need some discipline in our health. Maybe we need some discipline spiritually. Whatever the case might be, how important is that to you? When you look at your life over this last week or last month, how disciplined have you been? Have you been on track or have you been just cruising through? And I would encourage you, what areas in your life do you need uh, to ramp it up as far as discipline? And you know, I can do things personally for short periods of time. I don't know about you. I can be pretty committed to things for, for maybe a week or two weeks or even a month or two. But long term, look at our lives. Look, I'm looking at my life saying, okay, God, where in my life do I need discipline? And you know, corporately, for us as a church body, when you think of seven years in the story of Joseph, and I think about the next seven years of our uh, existence as a church, I believe the next seven years are critical for us to have discipline. You say, well, what do you mean by that? We need, to, uh, we need to continue to be strong in discipleship. Some of the things that have come out of our evaluation nights, we're going to report on those as we, as we compile those results. But we're also heading into a season, many of you know, as we've raised funds for the church in, in Africa, we are going to be raising some funds for us here at the Gateway Church for God to move. And, uh, and to, to, it's going to take some discipline to do those things to be good stewards of the resources that he has given us. And it takes discipline. And so we, we, we know not only individually, but corporately, this is an important part of our lives. And Joseph exemplified that, didn't he? He was a man of discipline. And we can be people of discipline as well. The second thing I want to highlight is that dream managers, they choose to serve. If you continue in that story in uh, Genesis chapter 41, I love it. Verse uh, 53, it says, The seven years of abundance in Egypt came to an end, just like the dream, just like Joseph had predicted. And the seven years of famine began. Just as Joseph had said, there was famine in all the other lands, 
But in the whole land of Egypt, there was food. And when all Egypt began to feel the famine, the people cried to Pharaoh for food. Then Pharaoh told all the Egyptians, go to Joseph and do what he tells you. When the famine had spread over the whole country, Joseph opened up the storehouses and sold grain to the Egyptians for the famine was severe throughout Egypt and all the countries came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph because the famine was severe in all the world. In this moment, Joseph had a choice. He had been through, he had done the discipline of gathering the grain, but now he had a choice. Am I going to serve my fellow countrymen and in the, serve the countries around. And Joseph turned and he decided to serve. All the countries came to Joseph. He fed the world. He served. He was there to be a servant. They came to him and he administrated well. And he blessed countries uh, all around by serving. You know, I think about our lives, about the potential that we have to serve. We were created to serve, weren't we? We were not created just to, to mooch off of the land or, or just, to, just to exist, but we are meant to give back. Not just to receive the dream and then stop. But I was thinking about this, is that there better be a service component in all of our lives. And if you are just cruising through life and not serving in some capacity, I want to challenge you this morning to consider what you could do to give back, maybe here in the local body at the Gateway Church or maybe in our community or in your family to serve, to get outside of your box and to do something significant for the Lord. I think about those that came out just on Friday night for the parent night out, the way they served. We walked in and, and uh, you know, things were crazy, all these kids, and, and the, the workers were happy. And I'm thinking, this is, this is, they're serving, giving back. And I know that God would bless them for just that. On Friday morning, we did our Feed America truck. And for, for those that came out, it was incredible to see how we gave away 10,000 pounds of food. And it was just, there's a service aspect that is important to us as believers. We gotta continue to give. And I wanna challenge some of you. Some of you have, uh, have been comfortable not serving or doing very little. I wanna ramp that up. Joseph is a great example. He didn't just stop once he received his dream, but he served, he gave back. In Connect 101, we, or in Connect 301, we talk about the three-legged stool of uh, Christian leadership, a servant's heart, a teachable attitude, and a heart after God. And if you eliminate that service, you don't have a stool. You can't stand. You can't sit. <laughs> and uh, we need to have a service mentality. And you know, as a church, we need to continue to provide opportunities to serve. And that's part of our, our heart to do so. We're going to continue to give 10% of every dollar that comes in to go back to minister locally and across the world through missions. And I believe that God is going to continue to favor us in those ways. And so we want to not only be disciplined people, but we want to be servant-hearted in our lives. The third thing that we can learn from Joseph is that if we're going to manage dreams, we need to learn to forgive. And for me, when you look at Genesis chapter 42 through 45, to me, this is the most emotional part of Genesis. 
I've read this, reread this. We're not going to take the time to read all, all three chapters, but I encourage you to do so if you haven't. If you're familiar with the story, Joseph, um, his story uh, here, there's two journeys of his brothers coming to Egypt, and uh, he, he, he sees his brothers. Uh, they leave, they come back, bring their youngest brother, uh, the whole silver cup uh, part of the story that's uh, excellent to read. But what's interesting is that Joseph had a choice at this point. This is 20 years after he had dreamed back in Genesis chapter 37 when the dream first hit him in his life, that is, that his brothers would bow down. And now it's happening, and he had a choice. Would he forgive? Would he forgive? Unforgiveness was expected, certainly of his brothers, and even his dad, once they, once they found out. Unforgiveness, I think, in some ways, was even could have been justified. Put yourself in his shoes, sold into slavery, gone through uh, all kinds of junk to get to the point where now he's leading uh, next to Pharaoh. And, but he chose to forgive. And what's interesting about this is that he lived this way right from the get-go. He honored God, and we're going to talk a little bit about that as well this morning. But what's interesting is that his dad, Jacob, Israel, for all those years, we see bits and pieces that he was worried. Uh, he, he continued to live in grief, the fact that he had lost his son for 20 years. He lived in grief. And uh, there's a part in uh, Genesis uh, when, when he, they wanted to bring the youngest son, and he said, no, I'll lose my son. And he was living under this guilt or this grief. And Joseph's brothers, we see the same thing. There was guilt for all these years. They lived with that. They had been covering something up, and uh, it was painful for them. And, uh, but Joseph was incredible. Whoa. <laughs> he was incredible. He forgave. He decided to forgive, even though it would have been justified in most of our minds. How many would agree that forgiveness is difficult at times? Yeah? To forgive those that have hurt you, the pain in our lives? I believe it's the enemy's plan to keep us in unforgiveness. Because if we're unforgiving, it will destroy us from the inside out. If we harbor unforgiveness, which is easy to do, it will be destructive in our lives. Fast forward to the New Testament. Jesus said to turn the other cheek if someone offends you, if someone hurts you. And I'll tell you, it's easier said than done. But Joseph here in this moment of, of truth, he decided to forgive his brothers, to love his brothers. And I just want to challenge us personally. Where are we with forgiveness? Have there been things in our lives that have happened that have caused us to be hard-hearted, to live in unforgiveness, to let bitterness kind of get a root, to get control. We cannot expect or justify unforgiveness in our lives. We are called to be Christian, to be Christ-like. And Jesus was the best example on the cross. Forgive them, for they don't know what they do. And if Jesus can forgive Lord, help us that we, with the power of God, we can forgive others, even in difficult, difficult situations. It's not releasing people from accountability. If someone's hurt you and done something wrong, 
It's not saying, okay, I'm just gonna let them have free reign in my life or in my mind. But it is saying, I forgive. Yes, there's, re- there's a responsibility. God is responsible for justice. And you know, the same thing is true for us corporately. There'll be things as we continue to grow, as, as God continues to, to favor us as a church, that will happen. There'll be, there'll be things that are said or things that are done. And we as a body of believers need to be quick to forgive as well. And that's difficult. When someone talks about our church, I want to, I'm thinking revenge. (laughs) That's the first thing that comes to my mind. But no, if we look at scripture and look at the example in scripture, it's, it's better to forgive, to let things go. And you know what that's all about is living in grace, isn't it? Living in grace. And I'll tell you, if you can live in grace, allow grace and not only to forgive others, but to forgive yourself for things that you've done or things that, that think places you've been or, or things you've said, to allow grace to cover your life. That is the best way to live in grace. Dream managers learn to forgive. The fourth thing, and we got a couple more here, is that dream managers, and Joseph was a great at this, he finished the job. Genesis chapter 46 through 47, we see uh, as we read the story that, that Joseph, his most significant contribution to Egypt and for Pharaoh came uh, for seven years after he had already received the dream. He was able to feed all of Egypt during the famine. He was able to move his, his father and his family to Egypt and to assure them that they would be taken care of. And I would say for us as a church uh, that we need to be committed to finish strong. Even when difficult times come and tests come, we need to persevere like Joseph did. He received the dream, but then he managed it well. He finished strong. And personally, we need to finish things that we've started. And there may be very well that there are some of you here this morning that have started things for the Lord and have uh, things have dwindled off. And I want to say, finish what you've started. Finish strong. Finish strong. Never give up. The fifth thing, though, is incredible. Joseph, he brings in his brothers, and he blesses them. He blesses them. In Genesis chapter 48, verses 1 through 50, verse 14, Dream managers pass the dream on. He blesses the sons of Jacob, the 12, that would become the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, Jacob had 12 sons, right? We understand this. And then Joseph was sold into slavery, so that makes 11, right? And so you're saying, okay, minus Joseph uh, is 11. And, and then um, it's like, okay, how did this work out? How do we get to 12 tribes of, of, uh, of Jacob or of Israel? Well, there was Ephraim and Manasseh. And it's interesting as you read uh, through this, I want you to turn with me to uh, Genesis 48. Genesis 48, verses 1 through 6. Listen to this. It says, Sometime later, Joseph was told, Your father is ill. So he took his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, along with him. When Jacob was told, your son Joseph uh, has come to you, Israel rallied his strength and sat up on the bed. 
Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan, and there he blessed me and said to me, I am going to make you fruitful and, inc- and will increase your numbers. I will make you a community of peoples, and I will give you this land as an everlasting possession to your descendants after you. Now then, you are your two sons born to you in Egypt. Before I came to you, here I will reckon as mine. Jacob is saying, look, these two sons that, that are yours, they will be as if they are mine. Ephraim and Manasseh will be mine, just as Reuben and Simeon are. Any children born to you after them will be yours in the territory. They will inherit. They will uh, be reckoned under the names of your brothers. But Jacob took Ephraim and Manasseh as, the, as part of the 12 tribes of Israel that would carry on tradition throughout Israel. It was a double blessing for Joseph as he passed on the dream and his own family. And he came in and they blessed him. And the story of, of the death and the burial of Jacob was, was interesting. That, that Jacob, or uh, that Joseph, was not just interested in the dream that God had put on his heart, but he wanted to pass that on for generation to generation. And personally, I would want to challenge us, as I've been challenged recently, who is a Timothy in your life? Who are you passing on your life to? What can God do in your life? I believe that God can do something bigger than yourself. And you do that by passing the dream on, something that will outlast your life. God wants to do that in your life as you invest in someone else. I look at some of you and I know that you walk with individuals and, uh, and it's, it's incredible how God does that. I've got a few guys in my life that I'm walking with, investing in on a weekly basis. But you know what? We have young people, and even last night, as we met with young, young adults uh, in our evaluation night, uh, there was a young lady that said, hey, I, I would love to have an older woman to walk with me, to help me, to pray with me, to give me advice. And I'll tell you, if we can make those connections here at the Gateway Church, we will outlast ourselves. The dream will be passed on, and God will receive the glory. And when we think about legacy as a corporately, impartation as a church passed on a legacy, we want to do something at the Gateway Church that outlasts Ben Vey or any of us. We want God to do such a move here that we are passing the dream on to our kids and to our grandkids. And I believe God receives incredible glory. And in Joseph's life, we can see God at work passing the dream on as he brings in the 12 sons of Jacob, which include Ephraim and Manasseh. The last thing I want to see, and this is so important, is that dream managers, and Joseph was a great example, they see God's hand at work in their lives. They remember who owns the dream. And of course, it's God who owns the dream. We talked last week a little bit that Joseph was with God, and we, we saw that uh, many, many times in, throughout this story, that Joseph was with God, or it would say that God was with Joseph. That idea of Emmanuel, God with us, that God was in his conversation. It was God being exalted. And, uh, and Joseph did not take credit for the ideas or the dream interpretations or even the success that he 
orchestrated. Over and over, he pointed his fingers to God. And God honored that. And I believe God will honor that in our lives. This week, I had the opportunity to sit with some of my aunts and uncles that I haven't seen for 18 years. And I was thinking about this on the way out to California. And I was saying, God, use me. Some of them are believers, some are not. And I said, if I get a chance to talk to my cousins or any of my aunts or uncles, help me to be mindful, to bring up you in my conversations, to to share some of the good things that God is doing to see God's hand at work in my life. And the thing is, God's hand is on each of us, young and old. He is orchestrating our lives. He knows our beginning to the end. He's watching us. He's helping us. And I want to encourage us. Where is God at work in you? Where is God challenging you? Where is God moving in your life? And then to acknowledge that to acknowledge the hand of God in your life, personally, corporately. And the question I have is that if your dreams came true, if they were fulfilled, whose victory would it be? Are you trying things on your own or are you trusting in the Lord and giving him the glory, giving him the honor? Because I believe God has a dream for each and every one of us. Of us. God allowed Joseph to live in grace. For 30 years, he, he had made faithful decisions. His life was just penetrated with grace. Not guilt, not grief, not revenge, not anger, but grace. He was able to do that. It's an inspiring story. And I believe that we are able to to live in grace as well. The truth is, is that we are all in route. We are all managing God-given dreams, even at this moment. And I would consider, I ask you to consider, what dreams are you managing right now? Dreams for your marriage, dreams for your kids, dreams for your education, or sports, or for your business, or finances. For the church, we are, we are managing a dream to be larger than even this facility and, and asking God to do some things in our lives and we're making plans to do that, to build and to, to, to do uh, things beyond ourselves, to continue to, to make an impact in our community and in the world. And as we consider the next 10 years of, of our ministry together, I believe God's hand is upon us and he's gonna help us But in that, we're going to need discipline. We're going to need to continue to serve, continue to forgive, be committed to finish strong, to pass it along, and to see God's hand at work at the Gateway Church. Isn't that the truth? But the same is true for you, that in your life, there may be a need this morning to tweak some things and to be disciplined. Maybe God is calling you to do something beyond what you have been called to do before in the area of your health or spiritual matters or even financially. How about service? Where are you serving? Where are you giving back in the body of Christ? If you're here this morning and you're saying, oh, I, I struggle in that area, I want to challenge you 
to find a spot. Come and talk to me or come and talk to Pastor Mark or any of our board members. We have got areas that we can serve together and let God work. And in this area of forgiveness, I struggle in this sometimes. I can say I forgive, or, and it's, but it's hard to forget, you know? I, I'm not sure if you struggle with that. But I believe God wants us to be people that are quick to forgive. Quick to forgive. Quick to, to say, okay, I forgive. And not, not that there's not accountability, but we can move beyond where we are. And I don't know what kind of hurts, what kind of pain you've experienced, but I want to challenge you to be people of forgiveness. And then also to finish strong, to pass it along, and to see God's hand at work in your lives. We are all managing the dream, aren't we? We can be inspired by Joseph. And I'm going to ask Mary to come back. I'm not sure where Mary is. Uh, Right in the front. Excellent, Mary come back and I want us to spend some time considering our lives. We intentionally kind of move things forward and I want to spend some time here in prayer. Spending some time at the altar before the Lord. I want to challenge you to get out of your comfort zone and to consider these things in your life. Managing the dream. Managing our lives. And maybe God would deal with you in the area of discipline or forgiveness or service or finishing strong or any of these areas, seeing God's hand at work in your life. But before we head off for the rest of the week, before we uh, you know, head into Thanksgiving and uh, Black Friday deals and, uh, and, and get consumed with self, let's take a moment in God's presence be at his feet. I have here in my notes that managing dreams are managed best on our knees before the Lord. And I believe that. So I've intentionally crafted some time this morning for us to do that. So I'm going to ask, first of all, to bow your heads, close your eyes. No one looking around here this morning. I'm going to ask that you would take a good look on the inside of your life. I'm going to ask that you would say, take the time to examine where you are today with the Lord. And I want you to consider spiritual disciplines. How are you doing? Was it a challenge for you to get through the book of Genesis? Did you try? Are you growing in the Lord? Where in your heart or where in your life is God calling you to discipline? To take it a step further than perhaps you've been. What is God saying? What is the Holy Spirit doing in your life today as far as discipline? Just a show of hands this morning. How many this morning would say, Pastor, I need an area to be tweaked in my life in regards to discipline. Just slip up your hand. Yeah. Oh, man. All over. Absolutely. Yeah. Lord, help us. Help us to be people of discipline. Strong in you. Lord, help us, God. How about service? Areas to serve 
You're saying, Pastor, I, this morning, uh, if I was honest with myself, I haven't taken opportunity to serve. I'd like to see that increased in my life. Just a show of hands. Yeah. Yeah, lots of hands. Sure. Lord, help us. Help us in these areas. How about forgiveness? Are you living in unforgiveness? Certainly in our own minds, we can justify that and, and uh, rationalize. But you know what God calls us to do? Is to be Christ-like, to forgive, even when it's difficult. And maybe you're dealing with forgiving someone else in your life, a wrong, that, that you, a perceived wrong or, or something that's happened to you or to your family. But then also, what about yourself inside? Do you have a hard time forgiving yourself? Just by a show of hands, anyone here needed to consider forgiveness in your life? Yeah. 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 Lord, help us. What about finishing strong? Maybe God has called you to, to start something. Maybe you've started but haven't finished or you want to be committed to, to finish strong. Just slip up a hand, yeah? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And then passing it along and seeing God's hand at work in our lives. Where do we need help? This morning, I'm going to encourage you this morning to slip out of your seats and to come and let's spend some time before the Lord asking Him to do what only He can do is to move in our lives, to challenge us in these areas. And let's, you can of course make an altar right where you are, but I want to encourage you to step out and to come and we want to pray, and I'm going to ask the board members, uh, the elders of the church, to, to come and to lay hands and to, to ask God to move in our lives together. And so let's do this. Let's stand together, and I'm going to encourage you to move at this point. And Mary, if you want to lead us in a song or two, that would be wonderful. And let's commit this time to the Lord. Let's not hurry off. We're, we, are, uh, we have plenty of time before service would end, typically. Let's spend some time on our knees asking God to help us to manage the dreams that he has given us in Jesus' name. Let's do that together. Let's move. Let's fill these altars. Hallelujah.
hearts this morning. You are challenging us to consider our ways. And Lord, I know in your presence, at your feet, Lord, there's help. Lord, on our knees, you will help us to manage the dreams that you have for us. And God, I pray, I pray for each person, young and old, Lord, that you would help us to be people after your heart, full of discipline, willing to serve. With your hand upon us, we see your hand in our lives at work. Lord, that we would finish strong. And Lord, that we'd be people that are willing to forgive even when it's difficult. And Lord, I pray that we'd be people that would live in your grace. That grace would cover us.
sing it one more time together. There is none like like you do I could search for all eternity long and find there is none like you this morning if you need prayer for anything would like to be anointed with oil for sickness or any other area we want to encourage you to, to come forward and to do that otherwise let me pray a prayer of benediction and you can be dismissed. Father, I pray, Lord, that you'd go before us, behind us, and all around us. Lord, help us in these areas. Lord, to, to be challenged, to live the dream that you have for us, to be strong in you, to be strong in your might. And God, I pray, God, that, that you would receive the glory and all the honor. Lord, as we endeavor to live in grace as your people, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you as you go. If you need prayer, please come. And we would love to pray with you and anoint you with oil this morning.